Good morning, everyone. A blessed Christmas, and so good to see all of you on site. You may not realize those who are watching this, it's full house here. You want to give yourselves a big hand? It's the biggest crowd we've had since COVID hit us, and this is with the relaxed uh, uh, conditions. And so thank you, all who have joined us on site. And whether you join us on site or join us virtually, we pray that you are fully engaged. I pray and hope you have been blessed with the service so far. Have you? Let, let me try that again. I hope so. I can't see. Maybe. So I want to thank Jesse and Mary and the singers and the musicians for their creative way with they put the whole service together. Don't you think they need a big hand? I mean, encouragement. <laughs> we want to thank Ethan and Kezia for reading scripture so clearly. Amen. <laughs> We want to thank Jeff and Grace for sharing their life with us. And last but not least, we want to thank Joe and Matt and Chris for sharing that song. I hope that song ministered to you. So let me li read the lyrics again, which when I first heard it, it really touched me. And it was actually released last year. Released in a time in which the whole world was in a pandemic and if you've forgotten, panic. In a world which we line up for noodles and fought over toilet rolls. It was only last year that you were tempted to behave like this, en masse around the world. So the lyrics go, this is not the Christmas we imagined. Never seen a year like this before. Some of us feel really alone, yes. Through this pandemic, I can tell you pastorally, personally, that the number of people we have counseled who have sought help for mental health, that alone is just one area of how this pandemic has burdened our hearts and our minds and our relationships. Some of us feel alone, some of us are far from home, couldn't see your family, haven't seen your family until now. Can't help feeling that we've been let down. This is not the life that we hope for. Then it goes on. But this season comes as a timely reminder there's a joy that triumphs over the pain, celebrating the birth of a Savior. And when you meet Him, you'll never be the same. So, you and I may choose to forget what? You and I may choose to forget painful years like a pandemic and remember joyful years before the pandemic and we hope we have more joyful years ahead. In the same way, you might likely choose to forget painful Christmases last year, this year, and remember more joyful Christmases, but we must not make this fatal mistake. What is the fatal mistake? The fatal mistake is that you and I have no right to forget Christ. Years you may forget or remember, Christmases you may forget or remember, but you and I have no right to forget Jesus Christ. That's the point of the gospel and the Bible reading that, have, that we have read. And Luke, the doctor, has been sent by God. He goes around like an investigative journalist interviewing eyewitnesses. And eyewitnesses then and eyewitnesses now are the bedrock of getting to the truth. And Luke says, as he starts his gospel in chapter 1, 
I have carefully investigated, and for a purpose, carefully investigated, so that you have confidence in what he writes, in his report and record of Jesus Christ. And so the question we want to address today is very simply this. What is that question? How did God bring about the humble birth of Jesus? And ask the follow-up question, how should we rightly respond to God and all that He is doing in the person and work of Jesus? And the answer to that is this. God has orchestrated every detail, great and small, to bring about the birth of Jesus. So the questions we must ask and the questions we must answer personally are this. Will you miss the person and work of Jesus? By miss means, it didn't know this happened. Now. You're totally ignorant that 2,000 years ago, God did this. He sent His Son. Many things you might miss. You might even miss a sale. You might miss that there was a pandemic. But there's one thing you cannot miss. The coming of Jesus into the world. Sent by God. The next question we need to answer is, Will you dismiss him? And what does dismiss? Can you dismiss that there is a pandemic around her? There have been in every country. Some people have walked around and gotten media attention that they, they know there's a pandemic, they choose not to wear the mask. They choose to go and eat out there and, and break all the rules and public health. And so in that sense, you dismiss the pandemic. We could treat Jesus like that. He has come into the world. I've heard of his name. I've heard of the birth of Jesus. I know a little bit about him, but I dismiss him. I totally trivialize him or I totally trash him. Or thirdly, will you rightly treasure him? Instead of miss him or dismiss him, we treasure him. And so the Bible passage begins this way. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And so you need to come with me to truly understand this. And a true understanding of this is vitally important because this message has come from God to us. A decree. A decree is a policy, like a law passed by the most powerful political body in the world. Let me ask you, what's the most powerful political body in the world today? Is it America? Is it China? Is it, is it Singapore? That when Singapore says something, the whole world shudders? It was the Roman Senate. And when the Roman emperor passes a decree, it must be done. The emperor was Caesar Augustus. That was his title, Caesar King Augustus. His real name was Octavian. You know anything about Octavian? So I had to read up about Octavian. Octavian was the grandnephew of Julius Caesar, one of the greatest Roman emperors. But Julius Caesar, you know from history and literature what happened to him. He was murdered. And after he was murdered, three men rose to rule the huge Roman Empire. And the three men were Octavian, Lepidus, and Mark Antony who infamously fell in love with Cleopatra of Egypt. Lepidus fell from power in 36 BC, 
Then Octavian defeated Mark Antony and he defeated him in 31 BC. And then Octavian from that point onwards, 31 BC, was crowned as Caesar Augustus. In short, Octavian rose to power after a long and bloody battle. But he brought in, what did he bring in? His rise to power was long, was convoluted, was bloody. But he brought in a long period of peace from 31 BC to 14 AD. If you don't know how to calculate, that's about 40 years. Lah. Roughly about 40 years. And so Octavian Caesar Augustus was known as Emperor of Peace. Why is this important? Just in the first verse of chapter 2. This is vitally important. You know why? Luke, the doctor, the careful doctor, the investigative journalist, he could run a parliamentary inquiry. He'll be a very good lawyer and also a good listener all at the same time. Did you get that? And so, he wants to locate whatever happens in the life of Jesus against world history. And there is no more prominent world history than Roman history under God's sovereignty, which tells us a very important first thing about Jesus. If you know nothing about Jesus, the historicity of Jesus, the factuality of Jesus, and the reality of Jesus, which tells you this is how you shouldn't treat Jesus. You mustn't treat Jesus as if he's a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale character. You mustn't treat Jesus as if he's the same importance as a Disney character like Mulan or Shang-Chi. You mustn't treat Jesus as a Marvel hero like the Avengers or Iron Man or Superman. Just think about it, right? Just think about it. If you're about to lose your temper with your wife, with your children, with your father, and then you call Shang-Chi, help me. He'll be of great help to you, I guess. Or Mulan, I want to be like you. I want to be filial to my parents. Help me, Mulan. Or it's now late at night, and everybody has gone to sleep. And through the day, you're distracted, you're not tempted. But now late at night, it's just you and your gadget. And you're most likely to be tempted, whatever age you are, from a man's perspective, to go and look at something unhelpful, something girly, something with too much flesh. And then you ask, come help me, Iron Man. Come help me, Spider-Man. You can call on Spider-Man, but there'll be no way home. There'll be no way out. The only person you can call on is Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a fairy tale. He is not a Marvel hero. He is historicity, factuality, reality. And that's the first thing that's there. Luke places him against history. And if you are ever in trouble from temptation to sin to condemnation of sin, there is only one person that you can call upon. And that's Jesus. Secondly, God uses Caesar Augustus. God can use the most mighty person on planet Earth at that time. How? Because it was him who called for a population census. You know why they call populations, they have population census? A count of the population. You count your population in the empire for data. 
This was number one data collection point. You get the data for what? For taxation. And so you have the census, you have the data, you increase taxation, you tighten your grip, you extend your control over every country and people that you are emperor over. You perpetuate Roman rule, you continue so-called Roman peace, and like all human empires in peace, they are temporary and fake peace. You know why? Because all that peace that Rome brought came about through much bloodshed. Empires and emperors rule, we make peace while preparing for war. But unknown to Augustus, as he called this very exact census, was what compelled and propelled Mary and Joseph to go where? Because of this population census issued by the emperor, it compelled Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem. See that? Vitally important. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And here are the important things that comes to the fore. Because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with a child. So what on earth does this mean? Here's a clear lesson. It wasn't Mary or Joseph or the two of them who did this. It wasn't Mary or Joseph and Joseph who said, we must go to Bethlehem. The angel really told us that this child is from God, so we must go back to your hometown, Joseph, so that he'll be born there. It wasn't them. It was the organisational genius of Caesar Augustus who wanted greater control of his empire, who sent them there. And so Israel, as God's people, were waiting for God's king to come. And there are few boxes to tick that this king will come from David's line. And David comes from Bethlehem. So got a tick, tick, tick. And in each one of this, it's tick, 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 correct? So with the very same census of Caesar Augustus, counting population, upping taxation, tightening his grip, extending control, perpetuating Roman rule, continuing Roman peace, ironically, he was confirming Jesus would come from David's line. In other words, when he was doing this for the greater control, he was actually installing God's king that will one day dethrone all kings. That's the irony. He thought he would bring in eternal peace, but in sending Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, he was actually sending them there to say that this is the king who will bring in eternal peace. This is how God orchestrates all great events to present Jesus to us, as much as he orchestrates all small events to bring Jesus to us. Do you believe that? The great events of this world, which now includes the pandemic. So I was just watching the CNN, and there's a book out by Janine Di Giovanni, and she wrote a book called The Vanishing Thing. What on earth is the vanishing thing? She's gone to document 
document what? The demise of Christianity in the Middle East. That today, there are roughly about only 800 Christians left in the Gaza, mainly because of the work of Hamas. There were 1.4 million Christians in Iraq before the invasion, and now you can count the number of Christians in Iraq on your fingers. And so, the Pope, you may have different ideas of the Pope, but he's representative of one brand of Christianity. And he flew into Iraq and basically said to them, we, we are watching. We are watching. We are watching what you do with Christians. You think God knows when His people over the last 2,000 years have been persecuted? You think God knows and God cares what happens to His church as they live under a radical religion that hates them, radical rulers that hate them? This is the God who can work and bring empires to an end so that His Son will shine as King. That is what you must believe. So how does he work in the small details? If that's how he works on a mega, mega scale, and please take note of this. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. One commentator said this, the focus of what Luke was saying is not so much that they both registered together, but they both travelled together, Mary and Joseph. They both travelled together. Right? So, Joseph could have come to Bethlehem, but he came to Bethlehem betrothed, not married yet. He came to Bethlehem betrothed, and the woman he was betrothed to was unmarried and very pregnant. Mary was with him. He could have come to Bethlehem without Mary to be registered. Isn't that possible? But he insisted and they insisted they will come down together. That comes the birth. And the birth, while they were there, time for her birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Each one of these things is important for us to realize. You know, they could have been preparing for this child in the familiarity of Nazareth, and Joseph was quite well-to-do, we are told. And so Mary could have be prepared herself in the family. You ever been pregnant? You ever expected a child? You want things to be as stable and as familiar as possible. Then comes this very untimely census. And then comes a very untimely journey. You have to travel in the heat and the dust and the danger and the risk. How far from Nazareth to Bethlehem? 90 miles. I'm told, about 140 kilometers. No buses, no trains, no MRTs. It's just on foot. And then Bethlehem is 2,500 feet high. 2,500 feet, that's about 10 times Bukit Timah. And so notice that a very pregnant, a very pregnant Mary. And what's the description here? Firstborn, inheritance, not just the first of Mary's sons. Swaddling clothes, they wrapped their babies for warm and to keep their limbs straight. Manger, a manger is a, a feeding trowel. How many of you would ever think of that? 
If you could afford it, you will you, you afford the best ward and the best room for your child, the first child. And there was no place in the inn. It doesn't mean this. Don't imagine it was, you know, the Western depiction of this, a hotel, an inn with many rooms. This was most, most likely a stable beside the inn. And it was like an open covered space for travellers and their animals to rest. And into this space comes a very pregnant woman and she gives birth and lays her baby in a trowel for animal feed. Can you imagine? Imagine what? Imagine the distress. Imagine the distress of the emperor's untimely decree. Imagine the untimely journey. Imagine, and it got worse and worse, can you imagine the mother, the heartbreak of swaddling her baby and then putting him in, my goodness, today in pandemic, you, you should realise the amount of viruses, the amount of bacteria to put a newborn baby there. God is sovereign over the mega historical details. God is sovereign over the minor things. You believe that? To bring Jesus to the fore in your life and my life. So I've got two cards here. We have, as part of budgeting every year, what we call the agape fund. Agape is just the word for love. And we never know in a year how much, how we have to respond spontaneously to people in need. And so we heard of two students who had come from overseas and they wrote us cards to thank us. I'm M. I'm from Vietnam and I like sports, online games and like to go to school. I just finished PSLE and I'll be going to secondary school next year. I've been involved with Singapore Youth for Christ since I was seven years old through the Care Club, uh, part of the Prison Fellowship Singapore. And here's the punchline. I accepted Jesus into my life when I was nine years old. Singapore Youth for Christ has provided both me and my sister with tuition and Christian fellowship. The staff conduct Bible study every alternate week and I find it really beneficial. I'm grateful for the help of ARPC in praying for me and my praying for me, paying for me and my sister's school fees. Thank you for supporting us in our studies. Yours sincerely, M. And then his sister writes, let's call her G. I'm from Gunning Singh Primary, finishing primary five. I like baking and reading. I'm currently living in Singapore. My grandmother is looking after me. My parents are working in Vietnam. I've been involved with Singapore Youth for Christ since six years old through this club. I just want to share my gratitude and thank you for paying for my school fees. It's helped me complete my P5. Allow me to continue to P6 next year. With gratefulness, and she signs off. Would you ever know that here you are trying to find a new lease of life, separated from your parents, and people will come along and be part of your journey of salvation. That's how God works. On the macro and the micro of your life. Do you believe that? That's the Christmas message you and I mustn't miss. And here's just the first few verses. And see how it goes on to the shepherds. 
In the same region, there were the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. A few things to take note. This is the third heavenly announcement about Jesus' birth. And what do we know about the shepherds? The shepherds, they are keeping watch at night against the thieves and the predators. They live outdoors. So the shepherds, they are symbol of what? Symbol of the lowly and the humble who trust in God. And this most important announcement of the most important event, of the most important person, is made to very ordinary, unlikely people. You expected this announcement to be made in Jerusalem, to religious teachers, to the Pharisees, to the priests, to the high priests, but no. And as this announcement is made, guess what? The glory of God, the glory of God and the fear, usually when it's announcement made, there's fear all around. And when you see this, what happens to the good news? The good news? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. I'm told by the scholars, every time good news is, is mentioned by Luke, the reception to good news or great news of Jesus is always great joy. So I do not know how you respond to good news. Right? We've been living with two years of this pandemic. Can you imagine if all of a sudden we hear this announcement that the scientists have finally discovered, the virologists have finally discovered one pill, no need for jabs anymore, no need for four booster, annual boosters, just one pill, and this one pill will kill all variants. From that point onwards, no more masks, no more safe distancing, no more restrictions. Life is back to totally normal. You can travel anywhere in the world. You receive this good news of this one pill. And what's your response? Nah. You can't be that silly, right? That there's a silver bullet to end the pandemic and your response is indifference or rejection. The coming of Jesus into the world is much greater than one pill to end this pandemic. It's to end our pandemic of rebellion against God, our sin against God, our pride against God that has brought about a broken relationship, that has brought about death as our rightful punishment. And to hear about Jesus and say, ah, nah. You can't imagine that for a pandemic. Good news, no joy. Greatest news from God, no joy. And the first response is great joy. For unto us this day in the city of David, a Saviour, Christ the Lord. You know what I'm told by the scholars? This is one of the few verses in the entire New Testament that contains all three titles of Jesus in one verse. And all three things that are important. Saviour from an, a mortal danger. Deliverer from a mortal danger. Christ, God promised that in the end He would send His anointed King, anointed King, anointed King, born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And when the anointed King comes, He will rule forever and His kingdom will be forever. And Lord just means, Lord is never used for anyone but God. Lord just means sovereign. No one else is sovereign. You want to turn to your neighbour and call them sovereign? Don't. Because it's a title reserved 
solely for God. And so, three grand titles, three grand titles, Saviour, Christ, the Lord. And where is He born? The greatest being, and where is He born? In a manger. manger. And where is He put? In a feeding trough for animals. The two things don't go together. And so, the count carries on. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Did you notice? Firstly, it was the angel singularly who appears. And then now a multitude, which means this is the choir that came down. And the choir came down and they sang this. Heavens, the heavenly beings, they praise God for the coming of Jesus. And then we as humans, we are offered peace from God. Did you notice in chapter 2 verse 10 that this good news is, comes to all? But take a look at this carefully. But this peace is only offered to whom? To whom he is pleased. That this peace is not just offered willy-nilly to anybody. That this peace is offered to those who humbly receive him and welcome him in their lives. And so, how does it end? And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Whatever you do not know, know this, that the person of Jesus will always draw various responses. And one main response you already saw in Caesar didn't come into a radar screen that there was a child born in his empire who will one day come and usurp all human empires. And then you saw the shepherds. They hear the good news. They go and check it out in haste. And then the thing for them is, how do you know? There could be many babies born in Bethlehem that same night, that same day. How do you know this is the baby? And the sign to them, a most unusual sign, this baby will be lying in an animal's feeding trough. Not many parents will put their child in a feeding trough. You will find him. Three grand titles, a totally lowly place to be born. And then the crowds that listen to this, it says they wonder. You know the word there, wonder? They responded, maybe out of curiosity, maybe out of spontaneity, maybe out of spectacularity. But you know what? A scholar said this, for the crowds that were there, maybe it tickled their ears, but it never entered their hearts. That this child that they were, they were listening to was God's answer to our sin and our death and our rebellion against God. And here's the thing that matters. It was Mary who treasured all these things in her heart. And what does treasured all these things mean? Pondering them in her heart. It means this. She engages in deep reflection 
She engages in deep contemplation and meditation. This child that I bore and brought into the world, who is he? Who is he? It doesn't mean that she knows fully who he is, but she knows enough to take the next step of faith. She knows enough to take the next step of obedience. And so one scholar said, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, is one who ponders what God is doing in and through Christ. Always pondering deeply what is God doing, not with the crisis, not with the pandemic, not with the prosperity. What is God doing in and through the person of Jesus? And what does that have to do with you and I? So we got Jeff to share about this difficult year that in his human nature, he and Grace will want to forget, a year in which he almost lost his life. Right? So I want to say for the record, right, um, I didn't go and officially, formally, personally ask for the anesthetist from ARPC to go and calm Jeff down. I didn't even know that he was from ARPC until it was shared later and said, what's his name, this funny fellow with an accent? Hey, the guy's from my group. <laughs> Who could have arranged this? All the mega events of the world and all the small details of your life, your health, your possible death. Did you know as Jeff told his story, tell us a little bit about your salvation. And he says God started to work on him very early. How early? From his boys' begin days. But for him, his life went on a spin and then he stumbled and he fell. Then he can remember clearly in his mind, I've forgotten, that in 1999, he finally heard the gospel. The penny felt, the penny fell, and all pieces fell into place. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. I've been telling Jeff again and again, I said to him, I do not know how many more times you've got to go in, but I know every time you go in, my answer is Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. And every time you come out, by God's grace, I'll still be here. We'll still be here as ARPC for you. Did you notice that after he came out, the penny dropped after he accepted Jesus? He no longer, dis he no longer missed Jesus. He no longer dismissed him. And Jesus now was treasured in his life. You know the adjectives he used? God graced him with grace, his wife. And you know how he described his children? Very, very lovely. Only a man of God, I mean, he did 25 years of this loving himself and loving drugs and escaping from the world, and now his whole love under God has changed his heart. And you remember what he said? You know, many times in our relationships, we say, we love you. We're not really serious. Most times we just say, love you, love you. I was just watching a documentary on, on David Foster, who composed many, many secular songs. Right? He never ever dares to say, he will always say to his children, love you, love you, love you, love you. He never ever dares to say, I love you. When Jeff calls his children in, it's not love you. I love you. 
This is something you can only come to when you contemplate and reflect and meditate deeply about your life and your life giver. Love you is too casual. Don't be afraid to use, I love you. If you're sitting with your loved one, you can say that. You want to try that? Try that, Darren. Try that. I love you. It's a very huge difference. I, I love you. And so a new lease of life. And now he's watching his diet. Well, nothing has ever changed. Jeff knows he has a beautiful body. Tengok lah. There's a Malay phrase. Tengok lah. From the first time I met him, you think he's got a beautiful body now. I met him years ago. I looked there and said, I envy. He said, Lord, why my body like that? Why his body like that? <laughs> Did cross my mind. 10 kgs exercising. But the punchline was, God is not done with me. He's preserved me for a purpose. And every day on earth is given by the king. And every day on earth is not casual. You just woke up because you woke up. And every day on earth and every breath that you take is given by Saviour Christ the Lord. That's why He gave Him a new lease of life spiritually in 1999. That's why He gave Him a new lease of life physically. And Jeff, as you come back, there's a lot of back, backlog work for you. Jeff, sorry. Is he here? Yeah. Keep fit. That can only come not like the crowds wandering. The wrong response of curiosity, the wrong response of spontaneity, the wrong response of spectacularity. Jesus is not something to be marveled at for a moment, excited at for a moment, distracted for a moment. Jesus has come to rule the universe and to rule your life forever and ever. Amen? And that can only come from that word treasured and pondered of Mary's life. That then comes into play in Jeff's life, in your life. Deep contemplation, deep reflection, meditation, all that God is doing in the person and work of Jesus. You are not a follower of Jesus until you spend day by day, week by week, year by year, contemplating, reflecting, meditating on what God is doing for you in and through the Saviour, the Christ, the Lord. Setting you free from Satan, destroying Satan's work in your life, forgiving you of every sin and thought and word and deed, and not, and not leaving you to die and live an eternal life without Him. Mary pondered that. The shepherds responded to this and they glorified God. Jeff pondered that. Have you pondered that? And so, by God's grace, we're going from ERPC at Adam to ERPC at Bishan, and by God's grace, when you give enough because you have pondered and contemplated the importance of Jesus for the entire world, God has given us ERPC at Tunga. And so, What's happened? We're invited by the CC there, right? The community center to do something to just reach out during the Christmas season. And so a few families did this, a Christmas project by our culinary arts ministry, the Mona, my wife, and, and put together. And um, we baked cookies. 
And this was baked in eight different homes, and they baked 1,650 cookies distributed to 330 low-income families at Bukit Batok West. It was about two, three years before we actually arrived there. But even now, God is opening the doors and softening the ground for us just simply to send a message. Send a message. And see the children are all excited doing this, that they can be part of this. And as we make these cookies, maybe the treasuring and the pondering of Jesus. Not curiosity, not spontaneity, not spectacularity. Who is Jesus? We are teaching our children, seizing the opportunity. And so we end by asking what we started with. Will you miss Jesus? That this is the most important event in the whole of human history. And this is the most important person. No one else would ever step into the shoes of Jesus Christ. How could you ever miss him in terms of being ignorant of him? Could you have grown up in a Christian home? Could you have joined a boys' brigade like Jeff? And this message has become slightly familiar. Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And you're just a believer by name. You no longer contemplate. You no more meditate. You no longer think and wonder about the majesty of Jesus. Will you dismiss Jesus? Another Christmas? You think you might have another Christmas? You presume you have another Christmas to think about this, but you don't. You may not have another Christmas. This could be the only time you hear the gospel in all its clarity, in all its challenge to you. Will you instead treasure Jesus, accept Him as your Saviour, as your Christ, as your Lord, and your life will count Every day on earth is given by the king and is to be used for the king. And yes, to, just to listen to the thank children, between them, their giftedness. As young folks, you know, you can use your giftedness in so many ways. You see people wasting their time on social media. And for them to be convicted by God, sister writes the lyrics, brothers put it on together. What do you call that? Your whole family can revolve their life around Christ, contemplating, meditating, giving, surrendering. That's what it means. And so we're going to end our time doing what? I'm going to ask the musicians to come up now. We're going to give you some time to ponder all that you have experienced, all that you have received from the prayers, from the scripture, from the testimony, to the song that was sung, to the message that is preached. And we pray, as I lead you in prayer, that you will not give the two wrong responses of missing, ignoring, and rejecting Jesus in your life. Almost subtly dismissing Him, slowly but surely, with other things of people, of passions, of pleasure, of problems that sideline Jesus. But may you rightly contemplate, meditate, and reflect, and give your life to Jesus. And He alone will give you a new lease of eternal life. And you won't waste another day. For every day on earth is given by the King for the service of the King. 
and be daring to say to God, I love you because you first loved me. And daring to say to the people He gives you to love, I love you before it slips away. And you may not have the last chance, especially to this pandemic, to say goodbye to your loved ones. I've not seen Jeff choke up until I watched that testimony. His three very lovely, lovely girls, his beloved wife, used by God to bring a new beginning to him. Please don't ever take the grace of God for granted. Jesus is ultimate grace. We reject Him and there is no hope. You accept Him and it's life with a capital L. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Whenever God speaks His Word and God speaks through the Bible, God demands a response. Whenever God speaks His gospel word about His Son as the Saviour, as the Christ, as the Lord, He rightly desires and demands a response. Spend some time in sincere contemplation of your life, in honest reflection of your heart, in quiet meditation, as you look back over the great events and the small details of your life, and may you see God working, doing all things, to bring you to acknowledge Jesus from His humble birth to His humble life to His humble death on the cross for you and I. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, please forgive me. Please forgive us. If we have responded to you wrongly, by outrightly missing Jesus, ignoring Jesus, rejecting Jesus, is the most important person sent by you to us in love. Heavenly Father, please forgive us if we presume to know Jesus but increasingly dismiss Him more and more in life. Please, by your Spirit and your grace working in us, lead us to our humble contemplation, reflection, meditation of all that you have done for us, are doing for us, 
in the person and work of Jesus. And by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, lead us to believe in Jesus. As my Savior, as my Lord, as my Christ. And live each day with Jesus as my King. Amen. You've been sitting there for about one and a quarter hours or so. We thank you all on behalf of ARPC. We're now going to give you a chance and opportunity to respond. So can you get your phones out and there's a QR code for you? Yep. I hope you've been blessed by everything that's been presented from Jesse, Mary, the musicians and singers. But it's not just for you to take away. It's for you to stand up and say to God, I hear you. So in this QR code, it takes you to a form that you have to fill up. And everybody's doing this. Nobody's uh, exempted. We want to invite everybody to be doing this. Very easy to be doing. So if you pray to believe in Christ for the very first time, as your Savior and our Lord, you may want to tick that box. If you've been a Christian and you are increasingly, slowly, subtly dismissing Jesus, but in hearing the glorious gospel, you say, this must stop, this must stop. Like Jeff who slipped, slided, this must stop. And the penny dropped. And today could be the day in which you rededicate your life to Christ once and for all. Or if you came today, some things you understood, some things you still don't understand, please don't be pressured. Just take the third box. Say you said you want to find out more. Whatever it is, put in your responses. And by God's grace, here in the RPC, we will respond to you and help you in your spiritual journey. Everybody's doing this. Thank you so much. Take a few moments before we sing our closing song together. The only right response, joy to the world. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Now over to Jesse. You may want to stand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Please rise. We can't sing, but you together. can sing in your heart. Let's celebrate the birth of Christ.